Welcome to the Royal Tax Podcast with your hosts, Megan Templeton, Royal Legal Solutions Consulting Attorney, and Royal Legal Solutions CPA, MBA, and CFO, Pete Shindley. Each week, they talk about how to take your tax and financial strategy to the next level and learn how to build and scale your real estate investing business in a way that maximizes your returns and minimizes your taxes. This is for informational use only. For direct questions, please contact us or your local tax CPA accountant. Hi, everyone, and welcome. Of course, I am Scott Royal Smith. I'm the owner of Royal Legal Solutions, your one-stop shop for everything entrepreneur and real estate investor related for asset protection, tax, and estate planning. I'm here with uh, Pete Chindale. He's our uh, CPA, MBA, our international man of mystery of all things tax. Uh, and today we are going to be uh, talking about the S Corporation. And I'm very excited to share with you uh, all of the uh, amazing uh, benefits uh, that tax corp uh, these S Corporations or LLCs, tax S Corporations, can allow you to do to save money on taxes, but also help protect you. Um, so let's just go ahead and have a quick review um, of some of the structuring to remember how do the S Corporations, these operating companies, relate to uh, the overarching structure. Uh, and then we'll go ahead and pop in with Pete. Um, so start asking Pete some questions here uh, about some of the, the tax benefits related uh, to, to those S corporations. All right, guys, so we're shifting over here uh, to how many guys will remember here is that the one thing we always have here is we're gonna, where you're going to establish an asset holding company. You don't want to be like my friend who had all of his assets in his personal name and it's very well insured and lost over $3 million in real estate because he neglected to have an asset holding company. So we should always have insurance, but we never depend on insurance because insurance companies are good at collecting premiums and even better at denying coverage. And remember, with we have this asset holding company, typically we're looking for this to be a series LLC uh, or a DST or just one or more LLCs. And, and your, the basics of your asset holding company is you'll have like a parent entity here um, of some sort, and then you have individualized compartmentalized entities. If this is a series LLC structure or DST, um, these would be like a child series. If you're using an LLC, like in a hub and spoke model, this is typically like a Wyoming LLC up at the parent and then individual LLCs down below. So one way or another, you're compartmentalizing your liability. You're going to be using trust structures uh, underneath your asset holding companies as your compartmentalized assets to create anonymity on the asset holding front. And this is where you're going to be holding your individual assets. It's either going to be you're holding, you know, your piece of real estate uh, or here you're holding like a note uh, here. You might be like holding like a sailboat. Uh, anything in your life so that way you should not own assets anymore, right? You should own a company which owns the assets as you have here. So this is your asset holding company. It's what owns everything and does nothing. It's an anonymous company that has owns anon assets, uh, owns assets anonymously. Separate and apart from your asset holding company is your operating company. And this operating company does everything. It's your face to the world, and but it uh, owns nothing. So this is typically like an LLC, an S-Corp, or in some situations, we can see this being a C-Corp, depending upon what your tax situation needs to be. But for this today, what we're going to be talking about is if we want to have this as an S-Corp, or if we want this as an LLC, that's taxes and S-Corp. Those are the tax advantages we have today. Um, your operating company is either going to take in funds like independently because it's doing some type of business, 
right? So this could just be any type of active business that you have. Maybe you're, you have your online store selling stuff uh, like really cool bracelets on Etsy or whatever the case may be. Um, or what it could be is that you're taking your income that you make from your rental property here, right? A rental property here, and that we're taking the money and we're channeling up through this operating company um, and saying this operating company here is providing some type of service. This service could be uh, some type of like investment advisory service. It could be a property management service, could be any type of service, um, but it's taking that passive income here and it's trans, uh, translating or transmuting that income into active income through the, the business that this corporation is engaged in. And, and then ultimately, you guys know, this is where we're gonna, we could take money and push it into a solar 401k to help avoid taxes. So who is this gonna be important for? This is important if you're an entrepreneur and you're, or you're making money and 1099 money or self-employed money, and you wanna save money on your taxes, that's gonna be using that as corporation. It's gonna be for people that want to um, take rental money and instead of uh, paying taxes on their rental money, you know, taking it and pushing it into a retirement account and a way for them to do that. Uh, as you come into it. Now, important to note that your rental income is going to be offset by your depreciation and your properties just um, outright from that. So you won't need to do this strategy if you if that's already the case for you. If you're already at zero taxable income after you take your depreciation out, then you won't need to do this. But if you have positive income and you want to avoid paying taxes on it from your rental property, this is a strategy to do it. Or if you have other income um, out here, that's your 1099, um, 1099 or self-employed income. Uh, and we want to help avoid uh, paying taxes on it. Uh, Pete, anything to add about the diagram or the picture of the structure before we dive into uh, tax benefits and how those work? Want more information? Join our community groups that exist to provide a space for like-minded people on a similar journey to learn, share, and network with real estate investing professionals and entrepreneurs. We meet weekly for an hour in Zoom to offer knowledge and accountability. Be sure to grab the link in our show notes. I think your diagram covers it all going from a real estate investor or just an outside entrepreneur. Cool. Under so the, so under tell the, us more, like a little bit more about that, Pete. Like we're um, who are you, who are you seeing that's really like would benefit, um, from using this type of structure, using an LLC tax as an S corp or a straight up S corp. So the LLC tax as an S corp or just an S corp straight up, the people that benefit mostly about that would be individuals who rent those properties are producing income above depreciation of about 40,000 is kind of the threshold. Or if you're a 1099 and you're making income above 40,000, Doing an S corp is a really good way to save money on taxes, and the main reason is is due to the W two wage, and then the shareholder or the net profit of the S corp. All right, so let's take one step back real quick. So oh, yeah. what will happen is is if you don't have an S corporation put in place, what kind of taxes are you paying on that income? So right off the bat, you're paying the employee taxes and employment taxes, which is about fifteen percent. So. For example, if you make a hundred, if you make a hundred thousand dollars and you have it just as an LLC or a 1099 and run it through a Schedule C, you are going to pay fifteen thousand unemployment tax. Seven, fifteen percent, right? Fifteen percent. So fifteen thousand yeah. of the hundred thousand. So half of that's the employer portion of the employee tax, Social Security unemployment, and then the other half is the employee portion. So that's how you get to that fifteen percent. 
And so when you're saying like, so that would be, I think it's like that 15%, 15.3%, whatever it happens to be, right? It's 15 point something. Correct. As I come into it. Well, we use round numbers because those are easy for yes. us here. <laughs> to it. So when we're talking about it, like um, as say, great, well, now we have that income. We're going to push that income through the S corporation, right? Yep. Um, so now the money is owned by the S corporation. And then the S corporation is going to pay you Pete. Right. Correct. And what ways does the S corporation pay you? So um, one way is a W-2. So, you know, that is a W-2 where the S corporation will pay 7% of the employer tax. And then out of the W-2, you'll have the seven and a half, seven point six percent withheld. Just kind of if you've had a normal job before where you worked for a company, just the same process as a W-2. Um, the other way to get money out of an S corp is a distribution of profits at year end. And those profits aren't considered wage. So by being a distribution, that's not a wage. You don't have to pay the 15.3% employer and employee taxes on. So for example, going back to $100,000, if that's what you're making consulting or through your property rentals, you pay yourself a reasonable wage at 40,000, that 40,000, you'll pay that 15% in employee taxes, employer taxes, but that 60,000 you can take as a distribution and that avoids that 15.3% employer employee tax. So right off the top, if you went that approach, you'd be saving anywhere from six to $10,000 in taxes. I mean, it looks like if we just crunch some quick numbers here, right? Yep. You're talking about like paying 40,000. We just multiply that by our 15% there. That takes yep. us down to like a $6,000 total tax liability from a $15,000 tax liability, right? Yep. And so that like that other 15%, that 15% that you're paying now on the 40,000, that covers like your social security. It covers all of those other other pieces that you would typically otherwise be paying wages on. So when you go with this strategy, if I'm understanding you right, Pete, what you're able to do then is say like, well, we're going to take, you know, uh, probably like 60% of your money and we're going to pay that out as basically like a dividend or a distribution of profits because yes. of your ownership and the, and the S corporation, that's not subject to the 15% tax, but Hey, we still need to pay you a wage. That's some type of the lowest possible amount of wages that we can reasonably pay you for the work. And that amount of wages, we do have to pay that 15% on. Correct. And that, and that's where if you wanted to determine what type of minimum wage you want to pay, you can just Google Indeed. You can just look at job postings for similar jobs out there. And you can take screenshots, you can print that out, and you can kind of keep that in a file to show this is how I came up with my reasonable wage. Absolutely. Yeah, you can do those reasonable wages. There's a, uh, a wide spectrum of what you can use uh, for that, right? For whatever you're doing. Yeah. Um, so like there's, you would think like a reasonable wage is oftentimes a lot lower than you think it could be because you can take the wage of anybody anywhere with a similar type of role, right? Um, mm -hmm. So you just go to like some super small town, maybe in Arkansas, you know, where it looks like nobody's making any money be like, hey, that's that's my similar wage. That's I'm just like that guy. I don't want to get paid any more than them, you know, for, for being able to do well, what this job is going to be. Yeah. When when it comes into like, when should we do this? Right. Because um, some people would say like, hey, why wouldn't you do this 
at any income level. Like if you made $10,000, right? Why wouldn't you say, great, well, out of that $10,000 that I made in, I'm going to pay myself as a wage, you know, 2000 and then I'll take the extra 8000 as, uh, assuming 2000 is like a reasonable wage, right? And the mm -hmm. other 8000 I'm going to take as a distribution because I'm going to save money on that, on all those taxes without having to pay that 15% on that $8,000 that I'm taking out as a, as a as a dividend or as a as a distribution of profits for my ownership yeah. in the corporation, why wouldn't I want to do that? Um, at that point, the the cost savings on that eight thousand dollars it may not have the benefit to offset paying to have an S corp set up, paying to file eleven twenty s. So you do want to do a cost benefit analysis to where sometimes it might actually be worth it to just pay the fifteen point three percent in employee employer taxes because. The administration of just paying someone to do 1120s, doing a monthly payroll, having Gusto or ADP do a payroll, it could be more costly than actually paying a tax. So that's why I referenced earlier that forty thousand. That forty thousand dollar threshold is just kind of like the bare minimum bar that you want to be able to make, and then anything above that, you'd want to start implementing an S corp because then you would start saving money, and so you can go forty thousand and then make sure you have at least another 10,000 income, so like 50. So those would kind of be your two hurdles that you want to hit before you do an S-Corp. So it kind of boils down to, you know, what is the cost of like the tax preparation to get the tax benefit you're looking for, right? Versus yeah. how much you have to pay the government. Because in some circumstances, well, you might have to, if it's two, if the number's below 40,000, you end up having to pay more to get the tax prep done, then you would just pay the government. So why not just pay the government? You know, not that not that we don't love making money <laughs> off of filing returns, right? But yeah. the thing is, if you're not in a better position financially at the end of the day, then unless you just really hate paying the government, I totally get that too. I'm from Texas. You know, we understand that kind of logic. We're like, well, I'd rather pay more because I just hate having to pay tax. But if you're anybody else in the world, maybe slightly more sane than us Texans out there, then you're probably thinking, well, okay, great. I, it doesn't matter to me who I'm paying. I just want to keep the max number of dollars. And that's usually like they're on that $40,000 threshold where you start seeing, great, well, that's where your break-even mark is. So if you're making more than that, then great, let's get you into the right system. You know, of, uh, uh, and that's going to be, um, and, and now I, I want to be clear with everybody here too, because some people come to me and say, well, can I take my W-2 wages uh, that I'm having and then somehow have a benefit with the S-Corp? And I'm like, wait, you're missing it. Your W-2 wages, there's nothing we can do with that when it's from your nine to five employer. This is for any other income that you're making, like either your rental income that we're trying to get into an S-Corp um, or it's for, uh, sorry, your rental income that we're trying to get into like a 401k um, or uh, your 1099 or self-employed income that we're trying to get better tax treatment than just reporting it onto uh, your personal income. Is that right? Correct. Okay, cool. Um, any other uh, any other key takeaways, um, Pete? Of you know when you need to set up um, these entities. I know you know. But right now, when we're recording this, right, we're in December here at the end of the year. Um, is there any other deadlines or any other uh, key um, key milestones uh, to keep in mind here when uh, looking at whether you should implement this strategy right now? Um, if you you could implement it right now if you want, but more likely you'd want to plan for 2022. And what's nice about 2022 starting is if you currently have an LLC, 
and you chose it to be taxed as an LLC and not as an S-Corp, you can file a form in January and February to turn your LLC into an S-Corp for tax treatment. Or one thing I'd recommend is before you decide to do an S-Corp, really kind of look at your bottom line and P&Ls. And if it's around that 30 to 40,000, uh, you can contact Scott or you can talk, contact myself and we can start kind of doing a scenario analysis of, yeah, this is a time to move into your S-Corp because you do want to do that cost benefit analysis and uh, waiting till the very year end, it's going to be very hard to do. <laughs> yeah. And then we need, and to get the S-Corporation treatment at the year end, we actually need to, um, we're going to need to, we, we're going to want to do that at the very beginning of the year. Yep. So we want to do that usually in the beginning, because usually most of the time it's it's easier and cheaper to form these as LLCs and have them elected to be treated differently for tax purposes than it is to form that kind of entity outright, right? So that's that's typically what we're trying to uh, to look for there, right? And Peter, yeah, when and do you see like when is that timeline again? To just one more time, do for, for being able to do the S corporation tax election. Uh, um, if it's if it's an existing entity, it's about the first two months of the year. So January, February, mm -hmm. if it's a brand new entity you're creating, you can select it within about a month of that time of creation. Okay. But going back to the point, the reason you want to do it at the start of the year is you got that W-2 wage you want to pay. So you want to pay that reasonable wage the entire year. So your cash flows, so you can run your business and not just have a giant cash flow in November or December of a cash outflow to play a W-2 wage. So... Um, by doing it at the start of the year, you can also then start setting up your solo 401k, uh, defined benefit plan if you decide. And, you know, those do take times. And, you know, having 12 months, 11 months, 10 months, it's a lot easier to do that than a month. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So, like, when we're looking at what setting it up here for next year, that's that's saying, like, hey, like, take an action now because it takes about, you know, four-ish weeks, four to six weeks to get that completed. And then we have to file the election for it. Um, so to get it in by like the first month or two of the year, you're talking about needing to take action like now onto it to get started the process, filling out the questionnaires, having to start the filing, all that um, into it. So this is really timely, even for looking into to 2022. Um, I also wanted uh, to hit on here, Pete, before we, uh, before we jump off today was about, you know, what kind of, a lot of people will ask me questions around like, well, hey, what deductions can I take? And I'm a sole proprietor and I don't have an LLC. And can I take all the deductions that an LLC can take? And um, isn't it, you know, there's actually no benefits for me for doing all this extra stuff. Can you tell us a little bit about um, how that shakes out? So um, as an S-Corp, similar to a Schedule C, you could, you know, you have your home office deduction, you have your entertainment mills where you can go out as long as you're talking business you can write those off you have your um, vehicle mileage if you have a mileage log and you track your vehicles or you buy a company vehicle you know you can expense that through an s corp and a schedule c as well but the s corp really allows you to put in money into a defined benefit plan or solo 401k much easier because it's a different entity um, your C-Corp can do it as well, but the S-Corp is just kind of a cleaner transaction. And what it can also do is those lower your taxable income by your percent of your tax bracket, and those can be invested into other real estate property. But um, again, they're very similar, but I just feel you have more protection and flexibility under the S-Corp. Cool. So like S-Corporation would be uh, the way to go 
uh, for giving you like the maximum amount of like flexibility from your end of it when you're saying, hey, what deductions are we going to be taking here? Um, another piece of it too that I think is from like the tax attorney part uh, that I bring to this conversation also involves around what's our audit risk, right? So mm-hmm. you can you can take in um, a lot of deductions, right, as a sole proprietor um, and get all and get the, the business deductions that you're looking for, right? Your home office deductions, your auto deductions. And a lot of ways when you're looking at disregarded entities with like LLCs, in my mind, um, from an audit perspective, that you say, well, great, technically you can take uh, almost all the same things on paper, right? The deal is though, is that if you're not operating through a corporate style of entity, what we've seen is that the audit risk is actually a lot higher. That the more formalities that you put in place, the less likely you are to get audited because the theory is is that you're more professional and how do you operate your organization and less likely to defraud the government by just running a fraudulent business, right? By just saying, oh yeah, I have a business. Do you have anything anything at all that shows us that you're operating a business? No, I do it off my laptop and my personal cell phone and use my personal car. And I only use my only personal bank accounts, but I swear I'm operating a business. You see how that starts to feel kind of fishy for like anybody from the government uh, looking at it, right? So the more that we're able to put in corporate structure and use corporate structure to be able to layer in to what are the deductions that we're gonna be taking, the more aggressive we can be on the deductions. So that's where like the ROI comes in. For everything that we're doing the more structure that we put in the more aggressive we get to play right so that means like if we're looking at deductions here for the s corporation that's a that's true uh in that sense if we're going to be uh looking at filing some type of partnership returns because we want to be even more aggressive cool we pay more for tax returns but we lower our audit risk which means we feel more comfortable now with being more aggressive on how do we want to classify taxes our tax expenses with that because our chance of like having anybody review it and have to defend it is lower do you still need a reasonable basis for every deduction that you're taking absolutely you can't lie to the government right but and when you're looking at what things that you can claim the the more that you put in structure the more paperwork you put into it the more of a reasonable basis that you have upon any type of audit right so you guys have probably heard me talk about this in other areas as well too which is like around like real estate professional right where the people are like well how do i actually prove that i'm a real estate professional there's no credentialing for it um and how do i actually show that i'm doing like this many hours and by the way i have like another job and other things that i work but i want to claim real estate professional because i believe i'm entitled to it it's like great well the thing that we do is is how do we add more structure and more documentation around what this is and the way that you do that is exactly the way you would think to do it right as you start uh creating the documentation um that shows a reasonable basis for the time that you're putting in amongst everything else that you're doing right and what are the dates and times and potentially what are the activities that you're doing that are associated with that right now we have a reasonable basis to make the claim right even if otherwise we'd be like whoa you're got you're at a high risk right well you're at a much lower risk if you actually create the documentation same thing here right the more structure that you put in the more documentation that exists the more costs it is for you on the front end, but the more aggressive you can be on deductions. And that's the ROI game that we're playing here. And that's the difference between what it is, like just doing something that's like off the shelf versus working with professionals here. And so I wanted to, I know this is is gonna be something that we're gonna be beating into everybody's head and over the course of the year, which is about how to think 
like rich people think through how are they spending money? What are the ROIs they're getting with these? And why do they do this type of work that we go with it? Um, so Pete, any last comments on the S corporation uh, before we wrap up for today? You know, you're bringing up the audit risk was a, was a good point because a lot of people that file under the schedule C, the IRS will deem those as a hobby. So if, if you don't have all that documentation or the S corp set up, so it is a good idea to do an S corp just for the help in the reduce of the audit risk. So. Yeah, audits are expensive too. Audits are minimum five to ten thousand dollars to yeah. be able to like defend yourself from an audit, even if you're found totally right. It still costs you that much time, plus everything else in your life shuts down. So because now you're <laughs> under attack from the IRS, right? Like, what else are you going to be thinking about when you're underneath this? So our our philosophy is to um, structure everything to lower your audit risk and then make up for it by being. Uh, the right amount of aggressive on what you're doing with your deductions and to never lie about income because if you lie about income, you go to jail, right? And we're like, jail's a non-starter, right? If we get caught on the deduction side, cool, we pay some fines, right? But we can lower our risk and do a business decision about what's our audit risk on this versus the deductions that we take. Uh, and that's thinking like rich people think. So thank you guys so much. Thank you for listening to the show today. If you're feeling overwhelmed with taxes as they relate to your real estate business and investments, or you're unsure if you're doing your accounting correctly, fill out our five-minute quiz. With the information from this quiz, you'll schedule a meeting with a Royal Legal Solutions advisor who will provide you with powerful tax-saving strategies on your first call. Go to www.royallegalsolutions.com tax to fill it out.